0: Hello. Hi. Welcome back to the V Square uh, episode two uh, with your favorite hosts, Vivek and Vidika. I'm Vivek. And I'm Vidika. <laughs> and uh, we're happy you're listening to us again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks for being here. We have to tell you that our first episode is now live on. All podcast platforms and on YouTube, and the YouTube channel will be in in our Twitters. So uh, (laughs) please go check that out. Like, share, subscribe, do all those things. Uh, All those salesy things that that Vidika really likes to do. Don't (laughs)
1: want (laughs) to. But this is it's hilarious. Thanks for being
0: very, very assertive and aggressive in your salesiness, Vidika. Today it's great. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh,
1: it, it this feels so it feels so interesting and official to say like. You know, on all the platforms and all the on things. On all the platforms, yeah. Technically, that's true.
0: Yeah, it feels like we're digital grown-ups in a way that we didn't. We weren't prepared to be. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Influencer yeah. grown-ups.
1: And um, the episode is, uh, as Visa noted uh, last time, the length of a Bollywood movie. So if you're into <laughs> Bollywood, if you're not into Bollywood either way feel free to check it out Um, and if there's a part of it that you're interested in we can tell you which little snippet to listen to if you don't want to listen to two and a half hours
0: yeah no no that's a great point i was just going to say like there's uh so if you're not (laughs) if you don't want to listen to all two and a half hours of it there's like we've time stamped the heck out of it we've we've put, put a lot of interesting nuggets and one note for everyone is like we talk about lightning strikes uh you know just going and and like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes later, an actual freaking lightning strike happens. Wait a podcast. spoiler
1: alert, Vivek. They were supposed to hey, find that on. out. We're
0: on, that. on episode two. We get to talk about episode one. It's already out. It's a so spoiler. <laughs> okay, <that's fair. laughs> it's like after the movie's out, come on. Like anyway, but yes, it's it, it's kind of a a little, um, uh, you know, a teaser Easter. for people to people to join. Yeah. So so yeah, so please go check that out. It would be awesome uh, to have more listeners. We have, I don't know, I think six views right now, which is pretty cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I think we've made it. To me, that's that's. I mean, six views means it's more than me and you. So we said it
0: would be three: you, me, and. Our patron saint Lucas, who said he would commit to listening to all the episodes. Uh, Lucas, the careful what you uh
1: round. yeah, careful what you wish for, what you commit to, because uh we're gonna be yeah. checking, we're gonna be quizzing you to make sure.
0: <laughs> no, but seriously though, uh shout out to Lucas. Like, hey, yeah. thank you so much, Lucas, like for being our cheerleader, even when we didn't have any episodes up, really. It like it gave us a little tiny boost of confidence to just like you know, keep. Keep playing with this thing. We right. have at
1: least one person that's committed to this. And yeah, that was you. Exactly. Thank you, Lucas.
0: Yeah. OK, all right. Weekly check-in. How's it going? How are you feeling? What's What's coming up for you?
1: <laughs> what's coming up for me? Um, well, I'm feeling tired. It's been mm-hmm. a busy couple of days in mostly good ways, but just like the sleep debt is catching up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's coming up for me? Hmm. I think I've been thinking a little bit about like on like how lately I've been, at least for the last week or so, I feel like I've been more present in like in-person things, which is good. Like it's wonderful. Like I've been, you know, meeting people in person and and kind of doing things very locally. And it's mm-hmm. been exactly what I wanted. But I am starting to feel like I am neglecting, like, you know. People I really, really want to keep up with, um, who are who I typically communicate with like via message or online or, you know, something like that. Mm. And it's not a tension that I've felt for a while. Um, I guess the pandemic kind of makes you or has made me get very used to just online being almost the primary mode in some ways. Mm. So right. that's something that I'm like newly navigating. I feel like uh n- newly navigating again, I guess.
0: Mm. Gotcha. So do you feel like you're wanting to get, so are you, are you feeling like it's more IRL and you want to go back to a little bit of the online texty digitally things or the other way around?
1: It feels like it's more IRL. It's been more IRL recently, which is uh, right. which is actually like I think really good. So like I'm not. It, it sounds like I'm complaining. I realize that I'm not actually complaining. I'm yeah. Really stop grateful. complaining,
0: God, God be grateful. <laughs> Joke about the outcomes you want. Ugh. I
1: know. You, you'd think I would have learned something after the last episode,
0: right? <laughs> no. But, um,
1: but yeah, look, I, I am really grateful, truly, uh, that it is more IRL. I think that's it's so nice to just like. I've missed that, you know? Mm. Um, So that part's been really nice. It's been really nice to hang out with people like within walking distance of me. That's something that was something I've always wanted and like haven't really had since college. Right. Like I, in in many ways, I've been thinking about how it's almost like Mm. college, but with, uh, we have more money now and we're, maybe it's a little healthier and some other perks. Um, So no, mostly it's good. I think what I'm feeling is not so much that I want more online connection, but more that I have many friends who, I shouldn't say many friends. I have several friends who live not here. Right. And my primary means of communicating with them and keeping in touch is just messaging them and calling them. But because I've been doing this thing that I've wanted to do, which is like be present locally and in person, it's kind of made it so that my energy is just like, I come back from something social, I'm drained. And then I have like a little bit of time to myself and barely, you know, enough time to, I, then then I almost get overwhelmed by like, okay, where do I start? How do I keep up? How do I mm-hmm. catch up? You know? So I've been feeling kind of behind and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's strange because I know my friends will understand. Um, it's, it's more like an internal feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm so behind. I'm so behind. I have to find time for this. I got you. Yeah. <clears throat> What's been it's going the on whole with of you?
0: Social obligation to some extent, but all, you know, yeah. Yeah.
1: And almost like yeah. this desire to communicate that like, hey, you're on my mind. I'm thinking of you. I just, just haven't had a minute to breathe. You know what um, you
0: can do? You can just say that sentence. You can just text that one thing to people. Yeah. Like there's yeah. somebody who texted me that I was, I, I, needed, I was supposed to see them tonight, but we're not going to see each other. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they sent me a te- text and I hadn't get, gotten back to them all day because I was like thing after thing after thing. I just said, hey, going into recording or whatever, I'll text you at night. Like mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Like good... Good things. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Good wishes. Happiness. Yeah, <laughs> thumbs exactly. up. You know, thumbs upness. Uh, what's yeah. going on for me? Um, I think this week I've just been thinking a lot about nervous system healing. And I wrote this whole thread about consent pathways. Uh, and that's like a very, very long, deep topic for me. But it, essentially, it's like, you know, when you heal nervous system trauma, you know, stuff like that, you're, you're trying to be more present. Uh, very often like there's this all or nothing model. You're either present or, uh, oh, you're escaping from the present moment. You're, mm. you're not paying attention, but sometimes when you pay attention, it, it hurts. It's, it's not comfortable. And mm. the most important thing for the nervous system is the consensually noticing. It's not the, it's not just enduring noticing, right? It's checking in with yourself. It's like, is this too much? Okay. If this is too much, go back to distraction, you know? And mm. if it's not enough, Okay. You, can, you know when you feel safe, can go back into notice and be present and stuff like that. But you know if, if you're in a traumatized state or you know like if if, if attention is a wound for you, yeah. then it really matters to to get the like to consensually go and not just endure uh, presence. So that's something I've been thinking a lot about sitting a lot with being just mm. a little bit more present. Um, yeah, even when I'm like mindlessly scrolling, like a little bit of little bit of um you know a moment here and there I'll just like huh does this still feel good yeah okay good keep scrolling ah do I feel like I can pay attention for a couple seconds without scrolling okay all right that feels good now it's too much okay go back you know that kind of thing which in a morally like in a in in a, in a purity test world where like Um, oh no, why why are you letting yourself be distracted? You should just keep going. Uh, Mm. But it's more the checking in with the inner child. Like if the inner child doesn't Mm. feel safe, that's how safety works, right? It's like, it's it's the yes or no from inside that really matters. Mm -hmm. It's not whether you're actually present or not. That matters too. But for the nervous system safety side, it really matters whether, you know, you listened when the nervous system said, this is too much. Mm. And you listened when your nervous system said, oh, no, I can take some more, you know, that kind of thing. So, so almost
1: it, almost like it sounds like you're saying, like, being attuned to the moment enough to know when you can dip your feet into something, when you need to step back, like, like not tre- treating it as a dial that you uh, dial more so yes. than a, an on and off switch, right?
0: Like, absolutely. And also, yeah. like, the, the thing that happens when it's not an on and off switch is it it, it helps you go past the cultural programming of either on and off. But mm-hmm the checking in process. It's its the greasing the consent pathway to ask, are you- good? With yourself. Yes, with yeah. yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, in my view, like I, my, I wrote this thread about consent pathways that apply outs out- Sounds yeah, like I have more Between homework. people, <laughs> between people as well as within ourselves. But mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, yeah, I was primarily coming from an internal place, but I think it, it's actually this meta principle that might apply, that seems to apply for me everywhere. Um, and that's what I go into in the thread. But yeah, it's a very long topic. we probably talk about it another time, too.
1: Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, it makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of like a lot of times avoidance starts. Right. Because we are trying to run away from mm-hmm. something and we are, we don't feel safe enough to feel something. And then we carry those habits into the future when they don't serve us anymore. So mm-hmm. yeah, I will check out your thread.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. I'm so glad you called it homework because now I get to be like, uh, yes, I assigned this with a
1: you know what? I'm gonna check in with myself and decide that I may not want to do this homework. So go get your okay.
0: Hopes up. Ouch, ouch. Oh my god. I did not expect to be on the receiving end of these boundaries. Mm, mm, mm. Very well, good.
1: Life's full of yeah. surprises.
0: Correct, 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 correct. It is. Um, yeah, so that's what's been going on mostly. Uh Let's see if so. We should tell people that we have a guest for the show too. Yes,
1: mystery guest.
0: <laughs> not a mystery. Yeah, uh, not too much of a mystery anymore. Uh, but let's see. How do we introduce our guest today? Okay, I'm just gonna read her Twitter bio. So I our don't guest see today,
1: our guest Vivek. Have you let our guest <laughs> in?
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna oh. do that. Okay, w- when I. Okay, she's a designer, okay. <laughs> researcher, she used to be a journalist and editor, and she says we must must risk delight, one of my favorite things I've ever read. So everyone, please welcome Catherine Wittemus.
2: Hi.
1: Hi. Hey, Catherine. How are you guys? It's
2: great to be here. Yeah, <laughs> great to have you.
0: Yeah, we're doing good. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh my gosh. Uh, it was such a mysterious and delightful invitation. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let me guess you, ri- you decided to risk delight. Hmm. Uh, hey, <laughs> you know what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, okay. Yeah. So no, we were just like, so to just to tell you about this podcast thing, I literally tweeted, you know, what a great, great job, would be is like to just to be a talk show host, to get paid mm-hmm. to just talk to people, be vulnerable, make people laugh, laugh along. And, you know, I don't know, as long as you have a producer taking care of everything. And Vidika responded to my tweet saying, Hey, <laughs> me too. <laughs> you want to co host a talk show?
1: And then Amazing. I made, made it make sure that, you know, I stuck to it in terms of a producer take care of everything. So Vivek is taking care of everything. It's Thank like you.
2: Great. <laughs> I was going to say, so who's the producer here? Are you both co producing or? Handing off the, uh, the hat back and forth.
1: I'm helping with editorial decisions, but I'm letting Vivek manage. She's helping
0: time. a lot. In fact, she's making the majority of the editorial. In fact, all of them. Yes. <laughs> no,
1: all the good ones I made.
2: Okay. All the bad ones I did not. Let's yeah. just uh, put it that way.
0: Yes. That's so right. Okay.
2: Plausible deniability among both of you. That's going to recipe for The job for of a good producer is to just
0: say yes when you're. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it's anyway, welcome. Though, right? just, what was just that?
2: sitting around and just like having conversations and interviewing people and asking questions is the best, right? Like, totally. I'm, I'm usually not on the answering questions side. So this is fun and also a little scary. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, it's going to be my mission to ask you guys as many questions as possible. This
1: oh, this would be, so. that would be fun. And we we're like throwing the ball back and forth. Like we've got two researchers in the room. I like it.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness! Two researchers? Okay, I feel super left out. Oh my god, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take notes to compensate for not being a researcher because I can do the research. You know, researchers uh, always
1: need uh, note takers, so uh, we're so glad you're here.
2: Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Record our brilliance in real time so we exactly. can come back. And, that way
1: we don't know. have to go back through the transcripts and right. you know mine all the gold. Yeah, exactly.
0: But uh, so, Catherine, you said you you're usually on the other side. Is that mm-hmm. because? So can you say a little more about that? What do you mean? Like, do you do you do that for work? And yeah. did you do that as a journalist?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been a form of researcher uh, my whole professional life. Really, my whole life. I think um, whether or not it was, <laughs> whether or not I was, you know, supposed to be doing it in school or what have you. But um, I that is what I I love conversation. I love stories. Um, and I think I learned really early on, I had always wanted to be a journalist. To me, a journalist was kind of the sexiest thing that you could be, especially, you know, preferably in, you know, faraway places, writing beautiful stories that that touch the world. So, you know, minor ambitions. Um, but I think um, what I quickly learned, uh even even in undergrad um, studying anthropology and international development and, and whatnot was that asking questions and hearing other people's stories was really just the best for lack of <laughs> lack of a better the more sophisticated framework it's just the best and i think um as as a journalist interviewing like finding a story is really fun having that little spark of there's something here and it's worth pursuing is really fun but actually finding the people to talk to and and getting to ask people questions about their lives and having people open up to you just Mm -hmm. like the experience of just asking can i ask you some questions and people say yes is like this incredible gift and it's also a power and it also has a lot of responsibility but um i just i just can't believe still how eager people are to hand you their story if you just ask them kindly um and i think that's that's carried on now as a design researcher in my day-to-day job. Uh, that's still what I do. And I do it for different audiences and with different collaborators. But um, yeah, I think it's just, I, I think giving each other stories is a huge gift. And I can't believe that that people do it so willingly. And I can't believe that I get to do it for my job still. So that's, yeah. Yeah.
1: It is kind of magical, especially when it's especially considering that these folks are generally strangers, right? Mm-hmm. Like these are people that don't really owe you anything, and and yet there's this sort of implicit. I mean, sometimes we try to make that trust more explicit by including disclaimers about how we're going to use what they tell us and things like that. Which I sometimes worry. I'd, I'd be curious about your thoughts on this, Catherine. I sometimes worry that some of those protocols are falling away more and more, like mm-hmm. as research becomes. Like I love that it's becoming democratized to use the buzzword and you know, becoming more common, but I do feel like yeah. some of the some of the things that were in place very intentionally to help build that trust, to create that psychological safety. Like I feel like some of that has just been considered like almost frills and just yeah. forgotten. And it's something that bugs me a little bit or a lot.
2: Um, yeah, right. I, oof, I have so many thoughts on that front. I don't know that my thoughts will be like coherent and short and articulatable at all or articulated well. But um, yes, I think, I think you've seen that in journalism for a long time. In fact, mm-hmm. I I thought it was too late for me to be a journalist because um, still when I, you know, when I was coming through school, it was still kind of accepted that if you wanted to be a journalist, you would be part of the school newspaper and you would be an editor and you'd write stories. And I just didn't. I was I was singing in chorales and choirs and I was playing in orchestras and I was in theater. You know, I was kind of already doing all of the things. And so it just being part of the newspaper wasn't one more thing I could do, but I I still wanted to. And so I remember after college moving to Washington, D.C. and the friends I started to meet who were journalists had been people who were like lifelong Mm -hmm. really trained. And I just thought there's, I've already missed the boat somehow. There's no way that I can get that training. Um, I ended up getting, uh, getting to write for what was then a very popular blog at a think tank, uh, Mm -hmm. DC. um, it was called think progress. It doesn't exist anymore, Mm -hmm. but it was at for a while. It was sort of, um, one of the, one of the most shared kind of political, Mm -hmm. um, blogs. And then that sort of taught me, taught me the ropes of kind of what what kind of proper ethical, um, well-documented interviewing looked like. And a lot of it kind of felt instinctual, but it was just really nice to kind of learn what being edited is, learn what being on assignment is versus writing your own stuff. And then I was able to make a transition kind of sideways into being an editor for another publication. Um, So I sort of got into journalism a little bit through a side door uh, without all of the rigorous training, but I really lucked out by having editors and mentors who wanted to really teach me all of it. And I got, you know, grilled in AP style. And it was just kind of like, you just had to learn the ropes that it, you kind of couldn't get around it. Um, with design research, I did go through training for that. And so I, I went to, uh, went through a very rigorous, uh, design program, uh, where we did read all of the theory and tackle all of the ethics around it, which I'm so grateful for, because I think, um, Uh, this is all to say, I think, I think there are many paths to design research now, Mm -hmm. and I I love the democratization of it. And it's a really similar conversation that's been happening in journalism for the last Mm -hmm. 10 or so years Mm -hmm. around kind of who gets, who gets to Mm -hmm. tell the news, right? Who gets to break Mm -hmm. the story, who gets to say what is true, what is correct. Um, And then with design research, it's sort of similarly, who gets to tell people's stories, who gets to identify who should be included and not. And I think, um, opening up for more participation is so vital and vitally important to any, any sort of like common knowledge building project. And um, it is very easy to just not have any of that ethical training at all, not, not have any of the, um, how do you create a safe space? How do you let people know ahead of time, kind of what you're expecting from them. How do you let people know about privacy, how you're using their data? All these questions that start to be really um, uh, pretty pretty important. Um, I don't know where I'm going with all this, all, only to say I really resonate with, um, with your question, Didika, about it. And I'm curious, have you, um, how, how has that come up in your work? Like, how do you handle that as a, researcher yourself? Is that something that are you training others in kind of best practices or have did you, you know what what a training look like for you?
1: Yeah. So for me, um, I actually don't do on the ground research anymore. And look at Catherine. I have already <laughs> noticed. She's like we all
0: noticed at the Oops. same time. I, I was like giggling <laughs> way before
1: <laughs> no, I, I saw know. it coming.
0: <laughs> I saw it coming like five seconds before it hit, and
1: i was like, "Ah." Oh, I <laughs> see where this was going. Yeah, um, and, and back to you. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna toss it right back. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm gonna give a short answer because I want to hear more from you. But like, actually, I don't know if I'm capable of short answers. We'll see if we'll see if this ends up yes. being short or not. But basically, um, so I actually don't do research like day to day anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I have since. I think it's funny because. I actually, when I was younger at one point, also thought I wanted to be a journalist. I actually was on the school newspaper. Uh, oh, the good new for you. Magazine, like, was was really interested in all of those things. Um, and yeah, then I ended up me. not going in that direction. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't even remember all of the details. Um, I do remember at one point feeling like, there wasn't a ton of latitude in journalism like it felt like you had to be really Definitely. like I love storytelling I think we share a lot of interests and that's part of why you're here we were you know when we were thinking of like oh who should we chat with I was like oh we're Catherine and we're gonna have so much to so much to dig in and into but um I think I felt like in journalism it was everything had to be a fact and like mm. ideally obviously that doesn't always happen um and like while there's obviously a lot of value in that I think for me I was always really interested in like the crafting the narrative bit which still mm-hmm. re- is required even with just facts um but I think I started to wonder about like other parts of storytelling yeah. so anyway I just thought that was that was kind of cool how we did a little bit of a switcheroo there where yeah I we did that early stuff but then didn't end up going into journalism at all um and so yeah for me how it manifests you know since I don't do research day to day anymore um i like i guess it's not a ton at the moment i guess i do i do talk about this stuff though so i like i will um i sometimes do like do talks and stuff but not even just that i think anytime like just recently um there was someone at work that interviewed me about um like she She had some project. she wasn't an official researcher right she was uh working on like the dei staff and wanted to do interviews with a bunch of folks And so, like, as we were talking, um, I thought she asked some really good questions. She was wonderful at, like, making me feel safe and and really good at, like, following up on specific, small, specific things I said, which I think the art of, like, research often is knowing exactly when to zoom in and dig in on into Mm -hmm. something and when to, like, Mm -hmm. move along. Because sometimes it's hard. You have limited time with people and, and you have to make the most of that time. Right. And so. One of the things I was telling her at the end is I was almost like encouraging. I was like, you know, you would be a really good design researcher if you're interested. Hit me up. We'll talk. And Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things I noticed myself doing at the very beginning is there wasn't a lot of there wasn't much in the way of like, you know, why I'm asking you these questions, who it's going to be shared with is your name going to be associated with the things you say? Mm -hmm. So I I noticed that I spent the first like five minutes of our conversation, probably just asking her those questions because as a participant, I did care, you know, like I was about to say a bunch of things, some of which were a little bit personal, vulnerable. And I wanted to know like, where, where, where is this being used? And, and so I think, especially kind of like you, I don't think I'm, I often find myself in the In the in this hot seat, right where I'm being asked the questions, you've managed to put me in that right now. But generally, (laughs) um, I'm the one asking the questions. Yeah. And so it was really it was kind of fun being on the other side and being reminded of like I feel so strongly about those things, and now I'm 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 like experiencing why it matters. Maybe not everyone cares as much as I do, but I think that it can't hurt, right? Like if if it means that someone will open up even a little bit more and um, divulge something that will really help. You understand whatever it is you're trying to understand.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's important to switch it up, I think. I mean it it's um there's there's no greater empathy building than kind of actually having the experience yourself of, oh gosh, like everything I say, how are they yeah. how are they gonna interpret this thing I said? <laughs> like, exactly. um, yeah, and all of those questions you asked. Yeah. In great.
1: some ways, it's almost like the dog fooding of <laughs> being a researcher, right? It's like that's the way that
2: you would go about it. Is, totally. Yeah. Like, how are they going to just through a persona out of everything I just told them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Great. great. Yeah. 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 Vivek, are you feeling really left out
1: because we're not including you in these researcher discussions? <laughs> oh,
0: I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm just how listening. do you
1: feel listening to us
2: as researchers? <laughs> What is this process like for you? <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, nice try. I'm not going to fall yeah. for it like Vidika okay. did. Uh, but <laughs> I have so many things. I so one thing. Well, you said you said something. Um, oh man, I have way too many things. The, one of them is the sense where you know, as a person, but also as a journalist, uh, of there's something here. I know mm-hmm. there's something here. I mean, choosing mm-hmm. the person you want to talk to, but then you get last last episode we were talking about, you know, like a stand-up comic who, you know, when when you when you make a w- w- there's a bit here somewhere. I just I haven't mm-hmm. fleshed it yeah. out yet, but I know there's yeah. some tension. There's something yeah. weird here. There's something there's a bit here. And Visa and I we, we were talking about um oh, there's something we can creatively explore here. This is a book or this is a podcast or this is an art. Mm-hmm. That sense of knowing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not quite cognitive, is it? That There's just like a, there's a feeling. In your, can you? Yeah. How do you know that? And do you do you find yourself? Actually, I'm going to leave it there. I'm I'm learning to just leave questions as I was they are, about to say that was a
1: leading question. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> no, no, know, I that. literally tweeted yesterday. I was like like. Um, the sign of an anxious interview style or a conversational style is when you ask a question and you suggest possible answers, so you doesn't look like your question was a dumb one. So it's like, oh, is you mean this or this? Like, I'm gonna start. Yeah. Out. Like, actually, you know what? How do you know?
2: That is that <laughs> is something... a great like interviewing practice. Is just leave it open. <laughs> um, so that's cool. You're already you're already workshopping your way into yeah interview interview research style. Um, I know it as a feeling. It's like a, it's like something just like being true externally. Like it almost to me, this is going to sound so cliche, but it, it actually does feel this way. It's like a spark, like somewhere outside of me. And it's like, that's it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I know exactly the story I want to write or exactly the research project I want to do, but it's usually like there is something, follow that. Like, it's just this kind of like mm. spark and insistent, like, yes, 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 ask ask more there, ask more there. Um, I can give you an example. Yes, um, I, was, but, I was just gonna ask if you yeah. have one. Yeah. So um, I actually, I just like kind of, the story just came back on my radar um, for something totally unrelated earlier today. But um, I once wrote a story, um, a, a friend of mine, I used to live in DC um, and a friend of mine, told me that there is this church in a a neighborhood called Columbia Heights um, where I I lived close by. And she said, oh yeah, that's where the hackerspace is. And I said, what? And she said, there's a hack space in this church. And I said, that's really interesting. So hackerspace is really, really similar to a makerspace, um, just kind of a place where, but it's a little more purely technologically inclined. And so it's a place where a lot of people can show up and just like build things, build cool, shit together and sometimes it's software and sometimes it's like security systems and and what have you but just basically a bunch of like delightful nerds just get together and build stuff and at the time I was doing a lot of reporting on religion and culture and I was like I wonder what a hackerspace is doing in this church and I did a little more reading into the church and the church has a long community history of being um Gloria Steinem was there it was it also was um sort of inadvertently a birthplace of punk in DC. Um, they hosted early shows there. And uh, I think actually the McKay brothers uh, went there growing up. Anyway, this, the church itself is fascinating. Um, but then it sort of started to make sense as to why there were hack spaces there. But I, I was like, this is really interesting because I think there's so much about hackers that seem sort of antithetical to the idea of organized religion, especially Mm -hmm. the way a lot of Christianity is articulated in the US. But like, this is just a totally oddball random culture collision. And I bet there's more like that. And I wonder where else that might be happening. And that led me on this trail toward finding other other sort of church and hackerspace hybrid places throughout the US But it also meant I started finding people that were intentionally looking at design, design jams, design hackathons, like highly collaborative participatory gatherings to try to approach religion in a different way. And that got me really excited because that's a much bigger kind of cultural conversation around how how are we thinking about spiritual practice in the US? Um, And so that was just sort of like, it was a random throwaway comment and I was like, spaces in the church. Like, I got to follow this. There's something cool about religion and tech that's connected here. Hmm. But to your point about um, other uh, other kind of sources of inspiration for finding things um, or finding people to talk to, it was this same story where, of course, I found a lot of men who wanted to talk to me about their different like program, the ways that they were merging program and theology, like programming code and theology, things like that. Totally fascinating. But I was mm. like, it really annoys me that there's only men in my story. And I bet mm. there are awesome women doing this too. And so I just put out a call to like five of the most kind of like uh, like people who were either in the design jam world or people who were programmers or what. And was like, who do you know who is an awesome lady who's working at this very, very peculiar inter- peculiar intersection? And one mm. woman wrote back to me and she suggested one person And that person had gone through Anglican seminary training as a possible priest. Then she got hired by NASA and started being a NASA storyteller. And then she got hired by a bunch of mobilizing youth organizations in the Middle East and was teaching them to sign like, her story is incredible. And I was like, well, all of a sudden, I just want to write about you. You're like the coolest person I've ever met. And it was like, she provided the lead for that story, but also was like, it was just this like beautiful example of like far and away the most interesting individual in this already kind of funny rabbit trail of a story was because of that question too how to find people um so Hmm. yeah that was all that was all a little bit like uh abstract so <laughs> i don't know if any no, of that was actually it. really concrete you the story but yeah no it
0: was very um, yeah, yeah we'd love that and we can happily put it in the show notes it's, it's just like it's really cool one thing you you said is like one way to find not just find stories but like the radar that's getting set off for you is like unusual mm-hmm. intersections mm-hmm. uh use the word intersection and there was also like uh uh you put a church and a hackathon that's not an intersection you usually see religion yeah. and technology um so yeah, that's really interesting. I have another thing, if I may, Vidika. Go for it. Um, I was just going to say, this is your
1: research training. I'm very, I'm, I'm all for
0: it. <laughs> what was that?
1: This is your training to be a researcher. Oh, so for I it. feel so
0: babied. Love it. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say, like earlier, we were talking about just, you know, loving story. I think uh, Vidika, you also said, you know, you were in, uh, you know, you were in the, high, you wrote for the high school paper, all that stuff. There's two aspects of that I wanted to talk talk about. First of all, I think one of my favorite writers, Tanahasi Coates, he was like, every time he's asked about this, he's like, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I, I couldn't believe you could get paid to just talk to people. Uh, and I was like, wait, that's what journalism is. And I, I went back and thought about it and Mm -hmm. huh, I guess that's what it is. Maybe Mm -hmm. like kind of, right. There's all this ethics, there's all this structure and container, but inside the container is all just talking to people. Um, Very interesting. So, you know, you, you, you were, uh, you know, you were saying uh, one angle here was this idea of, you know, missing, (laughs) missing the boat, right. Feeling like you've, okay, there's this thing, there's this container, there's this pathway to go in this place. Uh, And I feel like, I've kind of missed the boat to be on that path and the people that are on that path, it's almost like this escalator or this, uh, uh, this, this, this track that you're already on and that kind of takes you in its own direction. And it's a lot of, I can relate to that a fair bit and I haven't jumped any tracks at all. Uh, but I was just curious how, how you navigated that. How, how did that come up for you as like, you know, if you were working as a, I don't know what you were doing before that, but how did that come up? How did the call of, how did that call show itself to you
2: and Hmm. what did you do
0: about it? How did you navigate it?
2: Oh, I love this question. Um, I think with journalism, I just always thought it was the coolest. I remember, I think I was in middle school when um, a journalist at the time named Samantha Power wrote this huge Book called A Problem from Hell, and it was about America in the age of genocide. And she now she then went on to become a um, foreign policy advisor in the Obama administration, and she's now, um, you know, very influential in kind of the American foreign policy world. But at the time, she was a journalist, and just was like, I was I was insistent that I was going to go tell stories that people needed to hear, and my paper wasn't sending me, and so I sent myself to. High conflict zones and started reporting, and you know it was just like the sexiest thing I'd ever heard, and I was like, I have to do that. Um, but I so I think I think in some ways the um, insisting on insisting on sp- other people's stories being taken seriously just mm. always felt important for me, um, and so and kind of insisting on on um, me right. n- me telling my own story in a way that feels important, I think, Mm. um, felt important to me. So I think the the journalism piece was just sort of, I got to DC and was like, I know what I want to be doing. Like, what, why, why am I doing anything else? And so I sort of, you know, I was in jobs that were, I was in international development for a little while, public policy for a little while, but I, I just was sort of like, I need to figure out a way to kind of make this happen. Um, So that was... That was that missing the boat piece. I just sort of, at some point, I think I just decided I had to not care that maybe I had missed the boat and just be like, what if I try it anyway? Um, and that sounds very bold in the retelling. That's not how it felt at the time. <laughs> but I think but I think my actions were just kind of like, okay, I'm at a public policy think tank, but I'm gonna try to write for their blog. And then I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting you know an, an offer from a publication I didn't know much about at the time. It's called Sojourner's. I ended up working there for six or seven years because um, it was a wonderful place to work and and gave a lot of freedom in terms of um, what to write about and things. But that that felt important. And I think something kind of similar happened with design, where once I encountered um, human centered design and, and kind of what felt like maybe a little more like, the utopian like 2011, 2012 years of like, what could design be? It was sort of this like full of like very human, it was very full of promise. <laughs> like, it hadn't quite gotten like fully in bed with tech yet. Um, but I think I, uh, I felt something similar where it was sort of like this is this idea that we start with storytelling, we start with listening, and then we actually build things with other people that were actually, you know, it did kind of feel like democratizing um, solutions in a way that felt exciting. Um, I held on to that for years until it kind of felt like it was the right time to, to go explore it. Hmm. Um, I feel like I have a much better answer to this question and I don't quite know what that answer is. (laughs) So (laughs) this is going to bug me. I'm going to like, I'm going to send you a DM after we have this call and be like, (laughs) I know what I should have said. And it was profound and brilliant. Um. For now, I think, I think, yeah, that, that since you asked kind of how to navigate when you feel like you're missing the boat, um, I think it's just like, you know, when you have an impulse or you have a project that like is insistent on living in the world. And like, I think a lot of people think that that is going to be this holistic, perfect idea. And it usually isn't, I think in my experience, both personal and observed, it's usually someone being like, no, I, I need, this is the direction and I don't know why I need to go that way. I just really know I do. And I think if it sticks around for long enough, you just have to honor it at some point. Um, yeah. I'm very pro, I'm very pro honoring it. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and you know, as long as, as long as you're ready to live with the consequences, so.
1: I think there's this like really interesting um, piece where a lot of this feels like it's almost hard to articulate right like you mentioned something about how the retelling feels perfect which is something we touched on like last conversation too because Mm the dots always seem to connect much much better when you're when they're in the rear view and like at the time you're like what am I doing is this right is this wrong you know it feels it can feel very nebulous and um, I saw this poster a while ago which I remember thinking it was so cheesy and yet so profound, and I wish I could remember the specific phrase, but it was something along the lines of, like, what is that voice inside your head that won't shut up, mm. and why aren't you doing what it says, or something like that, right? Yeah. And it's, like, it's interesting that we we have those voices in our head of, like, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to do. Like, you, you you said something along the lines of, like, for design, like, there was you knew that was something you wanted to explore and you kind of waited till you felt like it was the right time mm-hmm. and I just I don't know that concept is so interesting to me it's almost like we kind of know we have that voices yeah. whether it's almost like I don't know if we're willing to sometimes if we don't feel like we have a plan maybe we're not willing to listen to the voice just yet we're like mm-hmm let me figure this out first. Um, but one thing I've been thinking a bunch about in the last, honestly like since the new year, I guess you could say, is this concept of just like, there will never be a perfect time. Like yeah. it's not a new idea, right? Like yeah. it's an idea that's, I've read about it. I've I've tried to convince myself of it. And yet it's very hard, at least for me to like, commit to something that's uh, like, that feels scary sometimes. Um, because I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I'll start writing that article once I have all the research done. Yes. Right. And yeah. Guess what? By the time I've read the first 10, there's two more articles that have been like it, it's it's one of those things where that's endless and it's almost just another way to continue procrastinating on the thing you actually want to do. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, this is an example of just being like, OK, this doesn't have to be perfect. This is just let's just have fun with it and like see where it goes. And you never know, like it, it, it even that is information. Right. Even if it's not. Yeah perfect or good or whatever um anyway so
2: that i just yeah that that that's what i love that's what i love about this setup that you guys are doing where it's just like we just know we just know we want to talk to some people we have a sense of who we want to talk to let's just show up and ask some questions and like i mean real-time review it's great so (laughs) do you more it, of this.
0: You heard I'm it good. here, folks. You heard, yep. you heard it on the podcast. Uh, that, <laughs> yes. I endorse. I endorse
2: course. anyone listening to this podcast. You're making a great <laughs> choice.
0: <laughs> yeah. If if you actually go to our YouTube um, YouTube channel, um, yeah, the banner image just says we're just fucking around. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. So so we're really mm-hmm. taking that part seriously. Okay. I was gonna. You you know what's really funny, uh, Catherine? You said journalist. And I think th- you've used the word three times. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna press on it. We said that's the sexiest job you could ever think of, right? It was like glamorous in a way almost mm-hmm. to you, uh, mm-hmm. to hear people's stories and to tell stories that are not told. Was that like okay, I'm not gonna lead again. Why? <laughs> what <laughs> is it? <Word>
1: <laughs> We've made him so conscious,
2: mostly me. <laughs> no, this is no,
0: great. Not, yeah. No, it's Leaving so it open cool. is so much what scarier
2: do... for me, which is great. It makes me think more. Um,
0: yeah. Well, if I it's think... not, if you're too scared, let me know. I have like no, no, no. 25 no, leading I... questions. I mean that.
2: I mean that in a great way. <laughs> you're you're doing you're doing everything right. Um, <laughs> so that's really funny. I didn't realize I had used. So I said sexiest thing I could think of like three times. Um, yeah, I underlined it oh, the third cool.
0: time. I was like, wow, it's, yeah, it's, there's something there. It's there. I don't know. It wasn't You're because like, of she's the she's saying it traveling more emphatically.
2: <laughs> I'm starting to believe. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Because it was like, it's, a, it's an unusual choice, right? Like, it's, like, I, I wouldn't, well, tech is different, but nobody would say, oh, being an engineer is a sexiest job. Like, some people might, but it's, it's like, it's the fact that you chose it. I mean, it felt very deliberately, uh, it felt like there was something like there. You were
2: drawn
1: to it. Like, it seems, yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, almost, I mean, there was an like
0: eros there.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. There is isn't Eros there. Um, I think, I mean, one of my favorite movies as a kid was All the President's Men, which is the telling of uh, the the two journalists at the Washington Post who broke the Watergate scandal mm. for Nixon. And that, you know, of course, it was a glorified retelling, of course, you know, whatever. Mm. Um and like Robert for being in it did not hurt. Um, so that was, <laughs> I was like, that's what journalism is? Great. Sign me I up. I me I up. Um, bring down a president with this cutie. I'll do it. Um, no, I think, um, I mean, that was part of it, right? But I think. It uh, have been the
0: tagline of the movie. <laughs> <right? Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Inspiring young women everywhere to get into <laughs> journalism. Um, I think, let me, yeah. How do I, how do I break down what's, what the U.S. is, what's so appealing about it. Um, uh, there's, there's <laughs> some part of, you know, speaking truth to power, being, being a little bit of um, uh, being a, a voice of conscience that's a little bit outside the system, or at least kind of positions itself as being outside the system. Um, however, true or not true that, that ends up being um, there is um there's a great sense of um, kind of, this is for the public good, a kind of like social responsibility and a sense of nobility trying to, um, trying to, uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. I said, speak truth to power. I think that's probably the quickest, the the Mm -hmm. simplest way to say it. Um, I think there's also elements of, uh, Vidika, you touched on this a little bit, the difference between just kind of reporting this happened and then this Mm -hmm. happened. Versus a little more storytelling that is still fact fact checked heavily, that is still you know true, um, but gets a little um, more into the meat of things. I think those sorts of long form storytelling have always been really interesting to me because it's not just you know what is what is this corrupt business or this corrupt government entity doing and who is it harming and we have to sound the alarm. Journalism can also be here is um, the story of how this particular object. Um, was embraced in this surprising way in this different mm-hmm. context, or here's a surprising story about how these communities overlapped in a, in a cool, interesting way. And so it, it is almost like, it's like investigation in that way, the curiosity behind it, where it can take you in the world is is really fascinating to me. And so I think that sort of um, getting to travel the world and tell stories or just be in DC and tell stories felt, <laughs> felt really appealing. Um, -hmm. and I think writing, I think I also, I was a voracious Mm -hmm. reader as a kid. And I think the idea of being able to write also for a living was, um, very appealing. So, yeah.
1: I have kind of a question, Catherine, based on the power of story. And like, you mentioned something earlier that I thought was really cool about like, insisting on other people taking their stories seriously. I love that line. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned how it helped you kind of with your own story. I would love to hear a little bit about what that connection was like, like how did, you know, telling other people's stories impact your relationship with your own?
0: Hmm.
2: Um, a couple ways. So my mind's going in kind of two different directions. Um, I think, um, I think I am. I prefer to tell other people's stories rather than my own, um, and in a in a public way. I'm much more comfortable, instead of sort of personally narrating, sort of opening it up to a question or opening it up to interviewing <laughs> other people instead. Um, uh huh. <laughs> this has come up a couple times, um, but I think um, a lot of that for me is a way of making sense of my own story. Um, I think uh, one example I can give um, is I um, I was in a pretty bad car accident about. 10 years ago now. Um, and shortly afterward, I wrote a piece on it about healing and things I wish I had known about trauma before Before this. A wonderful um, piece. I've read it. It is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what was really interesting about that is I didn't write anything. I didn't put myself in that at all. It was all personal reflections, but I did not include any elements of my story on purpose because I thought... I just didn't want to, it just kind of wasn't, I I thought I'm trying to write about things I wish I had learned and I want this to be accessible to other people in a way that um, doesn't need my own story in it. But what's interesting is I was actually drawing most of those lessons from something that had happened five years earlier, not something that had happened two months Mm -hmm. earlier. And most people didn't really know that, which was also interesting. I was like, huh, mm-hmm. that's, that's for me to know like where I earned that wisdom. <laughs> but, um, but what was interesting about that is after I wrote it, um, these comments are now lost because the, the publication has since changed servers, but people started sharing their stories very personally and vulnerably mm-hmm. in the comment section, which at the time, the comment section of any publication was like a, a war zone. So that was just not like, vulnerable expressing of personal stories was not really something that happened in the comment sections, and it did here. And that was super interesting to me because I thought I just wrote something out of this knee-jerk, you know, someone had sent a prompt, we wanna do a top 10 list of, you know, stuff for our publication, what are you thinking about? And I was like, well, I'm thinking about drama. (laughs) I was like, I'll just write mine. It was like bleak January, New Year's Day piece. But every people responded so, like, it was like they needed it, like they needed to hear this. And I was like, I, I'm just a, I'm just some random lady. Like, I do not possess insight and access to like higher wisdom. I just literally am like, I wish I had known this stuff. But people were like, Yeah, we wish we had known that too. And the way that people responded were like, We don't have these stories. We don't have this dialogue in our own lives. Um, and and this this piece was important in that way. So I kind of held on to that for a while. I wasn't really sure what to do with it. I was not at all interested in like telling my story more on top of it. It just was sort of like, okay, that was that was a thing that was really helpful, wonderful. And then a few years later, I went to design school And one of the classes was the lean, kind of the lean startup thing. You know, it was kind of like, what can you build and launch in 12 weeks? And everyone else was like building these amazing, hilarious student projects. And I was like, "Um, I think I want to maybe make something around trauma and healing. And I don't know how to do this exactly. But it was, again, it was sort of like their responses on this article helped me understand the things that I needed for healing. Mm -hmm. And then I did a design research approach where in this class, I didn't talk with anyone I knew from kind of my old DC life that I knew would kind of have all these preconceived um, frameworks for trauma and healing and why I'd be working on this project. And instead I asked all of my classmates, if they had anyone that might be interested in a project on healing that would want to talk to me. And I got a bunch of people. And then in my interviews with them, I just said like, like, I know I'm a stranger. Thanks for talking to me. But I said, you know, don't worry about we don't have to get into your own story or specifics at all. I'm just going to ask you some questions about like, what was helpful for your healing process? What would have been helpful? What's helpful now? Every single one of them told me their story in great detail. And it was like when I was talking earlier about a gift, that was like one of those things that was a confirmation of both my own instincts to do more work when it comes to healing, but also like, my own need. I do need to tell my story. And as much as I love to like hide behind it, I sort of like saw how, how willing and almost relieved everyone I talked to was to get to share their story. Um, and even though it didn't make it into any sort of public readout, I wasn't sharing their names, you know, it was all kind of informed into this like workbook thing that i then built. Um, it was a really beautiful Mm -hmm. challenge for me to to be okay sharing my story with others as well. Um, and like helping me put language to the things that I I needed and I wasn't able to mm-hmm. articulate until they did. Um, that was a long answer, but
1: yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I got chills actually at one point that when you were beautiful. talking about asking people, you know, somebody else, like ref- almost referring someone else in their lives, like, mm-hmm. and and trying to separate like those preconceived notions. Like that's such a, that's such a, you know, giving it almost a fresh perspective, so that yeah, you were, you were a nobody, so to speak, in that yeah. in that story. Um, yeah, that literally gave me chills, and it's just so beautiful. And there is, it, it, there's a feedback loop, right? There's something about mm-hmm. when you share um, the other person's vulnerability makes there's a sense of reciprocity where sometimes you want to. It, part of it's that you want to share, but part of it's you feel like you've been given permission, and yeah. to some extent, you know, there's this dance between wanting to be seen and wanting to hide and wanting to be seen and wanting yes. to be seen. And it's really fascinating how things like that. Um yeah. And and I imagine the article that you wrote, even though you didn't specific share specifics about your story, my I mean, I read it a couple of years ago when you did your healing salon, which by the way, Vivek, I know you, I don't, you weren't there. I don't think we knew each other then, or, um, but it was, it was fantastic. Amir and Catherine hosted this co hosted this salon. And it was just, even in that container, I remember how vulnerable, you know, people were. Um, but I was just going to say in the article, even without the specifics, I think there is something to when you have been through something and you write Mm -hmm. about it or talk about it, right? Like just the words you use and the way you say certain things, I'm convinced that it, I'm convinced there's some sort of resonance in a way that like, mm-hmm. it's almost like only those that have been through it can pick up on. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I remember last so I lost my dad last year. And when that happened, after that happened, like there were, you know, a lot of people were really kind and, and tried to provide consolation and, and say kind words. And I ap- appreciated all of them. Right. Cause I know, Everyone was trying their best. And if anything, yeah. I have to admit, it taught me how terrible I was in the past at, mm-hmm. at responding appropriately because I did not know better. I was like, oh, man, like, it's really not helpful when someone says X thing. And I'm pretty sure I've said that thing before. Mm-hmm. Recalibrated um, my approach entirely. Mm-hmm. But one thing that stood out to me was the messages that really just that that kind of hit in a good way, like obviously in a painful way, but in a really resonant way where I was like oh my god I feel like they understand I didn't know it at the time but later on I found out that almost every one of those messages that really just was like, mm-hmm. was like so cared for and so seen all of them had lost a parent you know mm-hmm. and it, exactly. there was this really yeah. I didn't know before that and I was just yeah. like oh, this was so sweet and then later on I found out and I was like oh my god it must be because it's coming from a place of like this inner knowing that you mm. You know, you can't get another way.
2: So. Yeah. So, in a sense, it almost sounds like the the ways that you all shared stories, even though that wasn't articulated, yeah, like you feel it, like that that helped you kind of, um, yeah, make sense of your own story because of what they were sharing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So
2: because-
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna close. Like, I know uh, Catherine has a hard stop. Uh, but I just wanted to say one thing I picked up in like a lot of the things you said, Catherine, is like very connected to something Vidika and I talked about earlier, uh, which is courage. Right. Mm-hmm. In a lot. Of, so you said <laughs> when you feel like you've missed the boat at some point, you just you just decided you're just not going to care. Right. It's such a <laughs> badass move. Right. Also with the speaking truth to power. Um, you know aspect the conscience you know why is something why is there eros why is there sexiness in mm-hmm. uh in something like that there's a sense of courage there's a sense of bravery there's a sense mm-hmm. of almost like a um a, a, a tearing through of limitation uh you know um uh, and uh, also with the vulnerability piece like which we've been talking about here i mean vulnerability is courage in some sense right you know to mm-hmm. to be able to go um First.
1: About your inner world. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. To tell it, you know. So yeah, a lot a lot to do with that. I I I love that theme, and I just wanted to say. You know, thanks for thanks for sharing all your stories. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh, like yeah.
2: it it was a gift to share. I hope it felt like a gift to it, it Absolutely, was.
1: and it was just I feel like we just scratched the surface. There's so many
0: more exactly I like, want to We have like topic yeah. after topic after topic here, like online after online versus online. <laughs> I know. I was like
2: so
1: excited because uh, I know spontaneous want...
0: coordination in yeah. soccer yes. and yes. social okay. dancing,
2: kind of faire fair. We can do a redo of this with no yes. agenda, but perhaps six or seven bullet points that we know we want to <laughs> touch on. Yes,
1: we'll have to get there. And one quick thing, I don't think we actually ever talked about how we know each other. Um, and I don't actually remember the, I don't remember for like where, Catherine, where we first met each other. I know it was through the II. I. Um, yeah. I know you were in my conversation salon, but I feel like we might've talked before that. I'm not really sure, you but did, I remember. I was,
2: oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I think it was bonding over poetry. I think there was, I think there was some, because we, we did go to a few of each other's salons, uh, Mm -hmm. but I think there was some, I can't remember if it was a poetry channel or something, but I think there was a lot of Mary Oliver happening and then something else. But I, yeah, I think that might've been how Uh, we first started chatting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that Catherine and I realized, like um, I guess, yeah, poetry was one thing. And then like just the the melding of like the physical and digital worlds, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So interesting. And we'll have to chat about it again sometime soon. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's evolved even more since then. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have you on again. Yeah. When, Thank
1: you wh- so much. This yeah. is yeah. such a joy. Yeah, no, thank you, no, so, thank much you so, much. so much. Thanks
0: for coming on. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially with the very cryptic, like, hey, we don't really know what we're doing, but we <laughs> want to chat with cool people. Uh, want to talk to us?
2: No, I was so, <laughs> I was so began. glad to get that invite and especially get the reminder follow-up. So thank you for that. <laughs> 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 um, no, thank you both so much. And um, I'm excited you're doing this project, so I can't wait to see where else it goes.
1: Yeah, we're trying to risk some delight. We'll have to dig into the Oh,
0: yeah. The Actually, you know, before you leave, if there's like 30 seconds you can say about risking delight, wh- wh- where did that come from? And wh- yes. wh- why do you say that? It's uh, yeah.
2: a poem is by Jack Gilbert called A Brief for the Defense. And Sorry? Uh, Sorry, I think I missed the
0: first part. Is it a poem? It's a poem, yep. Ah, okay.
2: By a poet called Jack Gilbert, and it's mm. called A Brief for the Defense. And it, uh, it ends with, um, oh, this is toward the end, and it says, we must risk delight, we can do without pleasure, but not delight. Um, and that's been such a, yep, such an interesting challenge, interesting um, to me in, in many different ways. Um, but I think the, the idea um, that being thematically being courageous and joyful in life kind of is, is the stuff of life, despite all of the, the many other things that life throws at us. So yeah, I carried it with me for a while.
1: It's the thing that always sticks out to me about your profile. Like whenever, when I first read it, I haven't read the poem, but now I'm going to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. It's, especially the the word risk.
2: It's, it's so yes. specific, you know? It yeah. is. Delight yeah. is risky. It's emotionally risky. Mm. It can be the pursuit of it can be um, yeah. socially risky. It can be um, mentally, financially, what have you, <laughs> professionally risky. Um, so no, I'm with you. I think, I think the, the, wording of that phrase is perfect yeah yeah it's (laughs) also just
0: like so trenchant it's it's such a trenchant like subliminal attack on cynicism you know uh (laughs) risking delight is something i mean cynicism is such a safe choice and it's so easy it's very easy it's very uh you know static it's you know it doesn't take much of us and this is like It's very trenchant, you know. That's mm-hmm. the word that keeps coming. It's like it's puncturing something in the whole cynical. Good, it's kind of worldview. speaking truth
1: to power, which is something you mentioned. You know, hey.
2: <laughs>
0: it has
1: those vibes. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Speaking truth to to cynical teenagers and power. Like, <laughs> um. I was a cynic until
1: very recently, so I'm a recovering-ish cynic. I mean, no, we
0: were we were considering naming this podcast "Recovering Cynics."
2: Yeah. We oh, were. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well. Cause that, cause that's also the reality, right. Is like reality, reality bends towards cynicism, but like, yeah. okay. You know, it also like, we don't survive through knowing that things are hard and that pain is coming. And, you know, like, that's not, that's not what makes life worth living. And that's also not yeah. how we survive. It's almost the
1: difference between being accurate. Like, it's like, yes, maybe it's true that things are kind of bleak, but the idea of, like, optimism as an act of rebellion, like, that is really powerful to me. Yeah. Yes, I love that.
2: Oh, man, there's so much more to talk about. I know. Even just the difference between, like, accuracy and truth, because it is accurate that the world is hard and bad things happen and things are random Mm -hmm. and there's reason to be cynical. But, like, that's not the whole truth. The truth Mm -hmm. is that there is delight, there is joy, that, like, yeah, the truth uh, is that a miracle is
0: happening every second. You know, yeah. this this whole thing is a miracle, right? <laughs> that is the. I okay, mean, that's also oversell, is the truth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and this whole thing is a miracle and scene. Okay, I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, uh,
1: yeah. Okay. Well, anyway.
0: I will. Okay. I will Thank you so much, you alone now. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Say bye, Vitika.
1: <laughs> bye, Catherine. Thank you bye. so much. Thank you so much. Right. Bye. Both. Talk to you yeah. later.